The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's a Ross Tucker football podcast. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker football podcast. It is a Monster Monday presented, of course, by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. I think you guys all know that. Got a bunch of podcasts. Absolutely love keeping each and every one of you informed on the National Football League from a player's perspective each and every, pretty much every day. Uh, certainly every day during the NFL season, but even every day in the offseason with the Even Money podcast on Tuesday and Fantasy Feast on Wednesday and College Draft. We got you guys covered. A couple things that I think are noteworthy today. Number one, I just realized, as I'm talking right now, about seven seconds ago, I once again forgot to have the winners that I didn't have last Thursday either. So that's a major faux pas by me, major mistake. I will tell you, it is 5.30 a.m. Eastern time, which is no excuse because I've been up since 4.08. But Brian is flying back from Tampa home, so we're doing it recording super early this morning. But no excuse. That's the way life is. There is no excuse. By the way, I recently realized that my daughters sometimes listen to the show on the Alexa. Like, I guess, Amazon Alexa that we gave them. Because they they do the, oh, yeah, it is to me now. So, just one more lesson to make sure that this is not a podcast where people swear. It is a podcast where we are very open to winners. People that spread the word via social media means a great deal at Ross Tucker NFL at Ross Tucker pod. People that take advantage of any of our sponsors like LinkedIn or express and email it to me, Ross at Ross That means an even greater deal. And then really trying to boost the YouTube. If you have any suggestions, let us know, but we know it helps if people subscribe and people comment. So if you do that, you have a great chance to get, a shout out from your boy, a video, a YouTube short that I then send to you, which is awesome. We have a very, very different big show today. It's big show time. The big show. All right. So we are joined now by Matthew Mullen, who's not only a listener like all of you, 
He is a PhD student in English, an instructor in the Department of Writing and Rhetoric, and a grad assistant at the Center for Social Concerns at the University of Notre Dame. If you're watching on YouTube, Matthew is wearing a fighting Irish sweatshirt, which is amazing. So here's the deal with this, okay? I think a few weeks ago, Andrew had one of his students interview him for the Business of Sports podcast, and people really liked it. It was really popular. So Matthew, and I give him a lot of credit, and not that I try to like espouse um, life lessons on this show or anything like that, but Matthew reached out and said, hey, Ross, if you ever want to do something like that, I would really be interested. I'd love to, I'd like to volunteer. I'd love to be the one interviewing if you ever did something like that. Such a great lesson in whatever you want to call it, right? Shoot your shot, offer your services, make yourself available. And so that's what Matthew said. And I thought, okay, yeah, maybe we could do that sometime. Then I realized Brian's flight is like at 7 something a.m. this morning. And he might not get home for a long time. And we wanted to get the Raw Soccer Football Podcast up bright and early for you guys. So I thought, you know what? Let's do 5.30 a.m. That's a tough time to ask a guest to come on. You know, I tried Tom Brady and Jerry Rice. They both said no. So I thought, you know what? It's a good opportunity to see how bad Matthew Mullen really wants it. How bad does he really want to do this? So he said, I am in. Let's do it, which is another lesson. Like when you get an opportunity, you just got to say yes, even if it's not when or what you want to do. Matthew, thank you so much for volunteering. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Ross, thanks for having me. It's a great opportunity. It's a little bit early, but I have a 10-month-old son as well, so he doesn't let me sleep much to begin with. So, not a big oh, that's deal. amazing, man. Congratulations. Uh, what's his name, if you don't mind me asking? His name is Luke. Luke. Absolutely love it. All right. I got to be honest with you. I'm a little bit nervous because Matthew and I did not go over the questions at all. I didn't want that. I, 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 didn't, I didn't want that. I, I wanted to come in totally blind. And I want each and every one of you, maybe we'll do this more often, but I want each and every one of you to think about if you had. 10 to 15 minutes, maybe a good 15 minutes to interview your boy, what you would ask me. So uh, I I am ready. Again, ner- I have no idea where Matthew's going to go with this, but I'm ready. So Matthew, I am going to turn the interview over to you. Yeah, I'm going to try to not stump you too much with these questions, Ross. I won't ask you anything about like English literature. <laughs> don't, don't sweat. Um, I guess I want to start with this, right? So as, as an instructor at Notre Dame, I'm personally invested in helping student athletes succeed in the classroom, right? But I'm, I'm well aware that they have massive obligations to their sports also. It's like working full-time jobs, right? Especially at schools like Princeton that place a priority on academics. And so I was wondering what it was like for you to balance your football obligations with the high academic standards at Princeton. Like what kind of strategies did you employ to succeed at both? Yeah, so I'm I'm very much as you guys know I'm an open book on this stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you guys uh, inside the inside the inner circle here, okay? So the first thing I always tell people, Matthew, about that is I never went to any other college, so I don't know what it's like at at a school other than Princeton. People are always like, "How hard was Princeton?" or "How you know what was it like?" 
like, well, I can tell you what it was like, but I, I don't know how it compares to any other college that's out there. And I was never a college student without being a football player. So I, I don't know what that's like either. What I can tell you is I think I figured out, and this would be my advice probably for anything in life, but certainly for anybody in an academic setting, I was able to do well because I figured out what worked for me pretty early, right? So one of my, my, my two strengths, I guess, Matthew, academically are oral presentations slash presenting um, and writing. You know, writing is something I love. I don't do it for any football outlets right now because it's kind of a labor of love. It's not really time efficient. You know, the time you put into it with the compensation you get is really not worth it to me. Tell me about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate because I love it and it's very rewarding. And it is the, it's, it's the thing I do where I feel like I'm using my degree the most, if that makes sense. Right. So when I've written for Sports Illustrated or ESPN or The Athletic or whatever, right? I really get a lot of joy from that. But it's probably like Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport. Those guys make a lot more money and they're like newsbreakers. So I'm not comparing myself to them. But you do get to a point where it's like, okay, they're going to pay me this much to write that. It takes me this much time. Is that is that the best usage of my time? for my priority, which is my family, right? Everything I do, I try to look through the lens of maximizing the time doing things I want to do, which is typically family time. So I actually say no to things a lot more than I would like to. Um, I'm a people pleaser. I like to and want to say yes and make people happy. One of the things I've learned, I've read about, is that I have to look at saying no to people as saying yes to my family. Because it is. I have certain obligations and things I need to get done. And if I am spending time doing something unproductive for me and my family, then that's time I'm taking away from them. That said, I get people that email me about stuff all the time or family friends whose son wants to get into sports or wants to get into broadcasting. I'll find the time a lot, as much as I can, Matthew, if I know if there's a family connection, but it'll be on my time. It'll be like, you know, after a game at like midnight, it'll be 6 a.m. But it's a great, it's a great lesson for people. Do they want it or not? Right? Like, because you're not going to get a job in sports or broadcasting unless you're the person that says yes to when I say, okay, let's do it at 5.30 a.m. tomorrow, Matthew. And he's like, all right, let's do it. Like, you're just not going to get – not that you're looking for a job in sports. So took a bunch of – I thought I may, might want to major in econ. Took a bunch of econ classes. Thought it was pretty dry. It was, you know, supply goes up, demand down. You know, econ 101, econ 102. It was problem sets. Didn't really enjoy it. Really enjoyed my politics classes. 
you know, here I am, a kid from Reading, Pennsylvania. By, by the way, Matthew's going to end up getting one question, and he had no idea what he was in for. Um, <laughs> uh, here I am, a kid from Reading, Pennsylvania, and the thing you learn really, and this is probably everybody in college, but where I'm from, a lot of people have the same belief system. You know, politically, morals, even religion to some extent. So to go to Princeton and be in these classes with people from all over the world who had totally different viewpoints on things politically, um, religion, everything, it was awesome. I loved it. You know, I, I, I really learned to have an open mind and um, I try to have that on the show. You know, I try, to, I try to have an open mind. I don't think people should be the same should necessarily be the same political party and religion that their parents are. I think you should be open to it. Now, look, there's a decent chance that that's where your belief system will lie as well, but be open to other people's perspectives and beliefs. I I really tried that. So anyway, to try to make a long story short, Matthew, I learned very early to take classes where you write papers for your grades. And believe it or not, you know, that freed up a lot of time for me because I realized what I did and what I did not have to do in terms of the reading, in terms of lectures. You know, if you're really, if your grade is based on two or three papers, you know, I would decide who I wanted to write the paper on and then I would meet with my professor in office hours Maybe instead of going to lecture, maybe instead of going to his or her lecture, I'd meet with them in their office hours and say, listen, here's my idea. I want to write about Machiavelli. And the professor would write, would say to me, Matthew, that's great, Ross, uh, but make sure you include, I'm just making this up, I don't remember, Rousseau chapter eight, which is totally counter to your point. And I'd be like, of course, yeah, of course. I'd like write down Rousseau <laughs> chapter eight real quick. And I'd go read Rousseau chapter eight. And then, dude, I was the kid, I would hand in my papers like a week early. Who does that? Nobody does that, right? So think about this. Let's talk about human nature. Grading a paper is a subjective exercise, very subjective. And now I have met with the professor, which less than 10% of the kids did, I'm sure, And I've handed in a week early, which the professor really appreciates because they don't, they don't like when they get all of them at the same time, you know, they can get ahead a little bit. The message in, in the professor's head when they're reading that paper is this kid is on the ball. This kid loves my class. This kid is a go getter. And by the way, what are they like? If you go to office hours and get advice from the, what are they going to do? Give you a D on the paper? They're not going to give you a D. They're the ones that gave you advice on the paper. So sophomore through senior year, Matt Matthew, I did a lot of that, Uh, and I got like all A minuses and B pluses, and was, you know, back then I was two time academic All American or whatever. And I, I don't know how smart I am. I know that I can write papers, and that I figured out what worked for me. Sorry, I'm long-winded. See, man, this is why I'm the interviewer, not the interviewee. (laughs) No, I think that's great. I think that's really good advice for your younger listeners as well, right? If they're going into college, uh, 
avail yourself of those office hours. The professors really are there to help you. They're not super busy during those times either. They're sitting around hoping somebody comes into their office. So yeah, good call. All right. Well, that kind of leads into another question, right? Because you had mentioned your balance between like your work and your family. And I know that recently uh, you coached your kids in, was it softball, baseball? Yes, softball. Yeah. So I wonder about, did you learn anything about yourself or about them through that process? Like in terms of uh, your competitive nature or in terms of, you know, the difference between playing and coaching? What was that experience like? Yeah. You know, it's, and I'm, and I put this on social media, one of the best experiences in my life. I think I've done it four years now. I'm trying to think about the uniforms over the years. I think I've done it four years, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Yeah. We might've missed one with COVID. Um, but you know, I, I know I love coaching my daughters and that's a tremendous experience you know, at the age I coach or have to this point, I'm the pitcher a lot, Matthew. And, you know, I take mental snapshots a lot. So, like, this will sound weird, but when I go for a walk with my daughters and I, like, hold one of their hands or both their hands, I literally sometimes, like, shut my eyes and think about their little hands in my big hands and just try to soak it in and remember that moment because I know that it's going to come to an end and I just want to have that feeling embedded in my brain forever. It's the same thing when I'm like pitching to them and I see them looking at me, you know, through the helmet and it's just so cool. What I would tell you is um, it's extremely gratifying to see the improvement over the course of the season from all the girls. And when the girls that are have never played before or, you know, maybe it, it doesn't come naturally for them, when they have success, when they get a hit, when they make an out – and they get that smile on their face. It is incredible. It is absolutely incredible. And I guess what I've learned is, um, I think the other coaches might be more competitive than I am. I, I think, I just don't think, look, when we had a good team and we almost won the championship, but, I, I really try really hard for the parents and the kids to realize, to me, it's not about that. I mean, we're talking about eight-year-old softball, okay? It's about having fun, doing your best, following instructions, and wanting to play again the next year. So I guess what I've learned is um, that I – even though I used to be insanely competitive, that it's almost like because I had so many years of that, I can keep sports in a proper perspective. I, I, I think on some level there's an inverse relationship between the success that 
the parent had athletically and how they behave and act at their children's games. You know, if you notice, like, the guys that, like, play in the NFL or, like, the, they're not the ones, like, going crazy. It's the dads that didn't have success that, you know, on some level they're trying to live vicariously through their children, which is not what it's about. It's about this is their time. Just support them and love them. Yeah, totally agree. It's a great response. Um, okay, <clears throat> next question. All right, playing in the NFL like you did, you've been around, uh, in my opinion, like some of the greatest alpha leaders on the face of this planet probably, right? So I wonder uh, who are one or two of the greatest leaders you play football with, either in college or the pros, and especially like what made them great leaders off the field, right? What was their demeanor like in the locker room or in the weight room or in the film room that made them great leaders? Yep. Um, I'm going to, I mean, there's several I could go with, obviously. Uh, Two that jumped to my mind right away as you were asking that question are Marty Schottenheimer and Tom Brady. Marty Schottenheimer was the first coach I ever had. And, you know, the things that made him great, he made it very clear that he felt like you win with people rather than players. And in that, he would take a guy at a lot of positions. I could give examples. I'm one. He would take a guy that was totally committed and dedicated to his craft and was going to do everything the right way, the way the coaches wanted it, that might have a little bit less natural physical ability than a more talented guy that you had to wonder if he was going to put the extra time in, in the weight room, taking care of his body, making sure he knew what he was doing, um, working on technique. I think he just realized pro football is too tough to get by just on talent. It, you, it, you have to be a professional about it. And I, I thought, I think that's a really good lesson that, you know, in any business you win with people, you know, people have talented sales guys or whatever. You, you really need to have the right people, not just for how they conduct themselves, but for how they interact within the greater unit. Um, he also was a thousand percent honest and transparent, which I think was a great lesson. Great lesson. You know, Matthew, you could ask him at any point exactly where you stood. And he told you that. And he would tell you the exact answer. You know, this is during training camp. So guys are like nervous. He would tell you, yeah, right now you're like the fifth running back. Unless we have a couple injuries, you're, you're going to have a tough time making the team. Like he would be – and the thing that I think helps him as a former player, helped him, guys just want to know the truth. And they might not like what you tell them, 
but they'll respect the crap out of you if you just tell them the, the truth. Tom Brady is probably just the greatest leader by example. The thing I, and I've said it before on the show, because I think it's, I think the success of the Patriots was certainly, in my opinion, more Brady than Belichick. Brady is so committed, so dedicated, and it's so evident how much he cares that you really didn't want to let him down. Your motivation was not Belichick's negative reinforcement. Your motivation is you didn't want to be the one that let Tom down because you knew how much time and effort and energy he put into it. You didn't want to be the one that prevented him from the goals that he's maniacally trying to achieve. And he, he didn't really have to say much. I mean, he does, but that's not what that's not what made you want to do it. What made you want to do it is because of Tom and how much he cares. Uh, speaking of that, Matthew, we 24 minutes. We never go this long on the interview part of it. You know what? I'll be really curious to get the feedback on this. I think you only got in three, uh, three questions maybe because I'm such a – I've got diarrhea of the mouth. I just talk and talk and talk. But – I try to give thoughtful answers. I try to, you know, I try to incorporate everything I'm thinking of. So we'll get the feedback on this. Maybe, Matthew, you get another chance, or maybe we'll have another listener volunteer and say they would love to change it up. Maybe they would just ask questions about beer pong and and girls. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Maybe we could change it up. Matthew, thank you so much for volunteering. Thank you so much for agreeing to do 5.30 a.m. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Ross. My pleasure. And thank you to Express Clothing. Man, if you saw me this weekend at the Hotel Hershey, my in-laws had an anniversary party. I was rocking the Express. They've got lightweight linen breathable cotton fabrics for their suits, which are amazing. At the pool, I was kicking it old school with vintage-inspired polos, and I had a button-down the next day for brunch in the circular lounge. Thank you, Express. Find something for every destination at Express, online or in-store. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Ross, let's start today with the Saints running back Alvin Kamara expected to be suspended at least six games for his incident back at the Pro Bowl. Right. That's a good example, by the way, for yet another reason why the Saints approach this offseason is very interesting. I respect the heck out of it. I think it's great. I think it's a culture thing, 
and Mickey Loomis wants to make sure that they keep that winning culture there, even without Sean Payton. But they are really all in for this year, even though, you know, if you listen to the College Draft podcast last week, Stephen Che and Emory Hunt had very different opinions on their opportunity this year. In particular, I think it really comes down primarily to Jameis Winston and Dennis Allen and how you feel about those two guys. Tuck's Takes. Let's keep it in New Orleans where the Saints linebacker Demario Davis gets a one-year extension. He did, right. I think it was really just like a a salary cap thing. He he just freed up some salary cap room for him for them. He's awesome though. I love that guy. And he's a great example of a guy that decided, you know what? I can I can change my career around. I can do more. And he did. Tucks takes. No supplemental draft this year, Ross? Evidently, Bri. I, see, to me, that is weird. I, I don't understand how they can just decide whether or not to have a supplemental draft. I mean, what if there are kids that really need or want to go in a supplemental draft? I'm... That's a little bit of a head scratcher to me, how they can like choose whether or not to do that. Tux takes. All right, it wouldn't be a Tux takes without mentioning Deshaun Watson. So let's go. His disciplinary hearing set for Tuesday. The NFL, though, is expected to push for an indefinite suspension. Right. So the NFL, I think, wants an indefinite suspension of at least a year because of the fact that there could be more cases against Deshaun Watson, right? So there there could be more cases against Deshaun Watson, and I think they want to have it open-ended until there's closure They don't want to say it's a defined time and then more cases are filed against him or more information comes out. The indefinite aspect of it gives them a little bit of wiggle room. Remember, you know, if you had, as you heard Mark Maskey last week, very important, it's not Roger Goodell who is, you know, just deciding this discipline. It's Judge, I think it's Sue Robinson that decides it and then either side can appeal it, but they don't have to. And so, you know, the NFL can have all these reports about what they're pushing for, but ultimately it's the independent arbitrator, Sue Robinson, who decides, which by the way, is probably one of the reasons why all these reports are coming out. I think the NFL wants to make it very clear to everybody ahead of time. They're pushing for this. They want this. They want indefinite they want at least a year so that if it ends up being eight to ten games the nfl can say hey we did the most we could although the nfl could then just if that's the case they could appeal it to goodell and goodell could make it what they want it to be so that, i think it's a little interesting but there's always a big pr game going on here i i i'm curious of the timeline i with this hearing set for tuesday you know, I wouldn't be surprised the NFL did a Fourth uh, of July Friday news dump on the. But I think it'll take Sue Robinson more time than that. I think she's got she got to take her time to make a decision. I don't know. Who knows? 
Tux takes. And finally, the Raiders continue to face allegations from uh, separate workplace misconduct instances. I, I don't even know what to say anymore. I, I, I'm just so... This is why I don't really follow the news. Like, I, I've seen... I, I'm I'm generally aware of really big news. And I'm not going to get into it because people are have their beliefs. But I guess I'm just tired of it. I, I, all the negativity, like, you know, more workplace misconduct. And I'm not saying that in the sense that they shouldn't be in trouble if they did it. I'm saying in the sense that I wish there was no such thing. I wish there hadn't been potential workplace misconduct. I wish things like this didn't need to come to light because they didn't happen in the first place. So we'll see. It sounds like people for the Raiders are getting fired because they told Mark Davis he was doing inappropriate things. Be very curious to see how that plays out. Uh, programming note, because of Brian's travel, we're going to do College Draft Podcast tomorrow, even Money Podcast tomorrow. We'll have Andrew Brandt Wednesday, Greg Cosell Thursday. Should be a great week here leading into the 4th of July holiday. Shout-outs to Pizza Boy Brewing, where I will very likely be tomorrow, uh, tomorrow evening. Sporticulture, humanheadnyc.com, steakhousesports.com, go-bangles.com, and Evergreen Economics. Our, I think we're done here, members of patreon.com slash rtmedia, which is fitting because I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.